Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room podcast, brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, welcome to another episode with Sam DeLongis. This is part two of our three-part series with Sam, where we go through three distinct phases in the business cycle. Last week in part one, Sam talked to us about growing his business and the thought process that drove him to finally consider planning his business exit. Picking up from that conversation, in today's episode, we'll talk about how Sam geared himself up for the business sale. In this episode, Sam talks about some of the fundamentals that we hear again and again and again. The importance of looking at your business from a buyer's perspective and the importance of selling the business at the right time when it's got strong value but still has value to give into the future. So let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. How did you get ready for sale? What did you do? Obviously, you'd never sold a business before, so this was all now you're in foreign territory. So how did you get yourself ready for it? Well, there are two things, I guess. One is that realise that a lot of people are starting to pay attention to us because we're doing well around town in general. And we, um, we decided that we should probably increase our profile a little bit as a result of that. And so we, we started to applying for a couple of awards and there was a, I can't remember now, it was a Reuters award that was allocated for people in the recruitment industry. And we, for the first year, we decided to uh, write a proposal for that. And my business development manager did that. And uh, we actually ended up going to Sydney. We were one of the finalists. And I, we won the Best Candidate Management Award Australia-wide. This was in, I can't, I can't remember what year now. But it was about a year or two, about probably a year or two before we sold. And that gave us a bit of prominence. Um, we then started to, you know, there was a lot of it was who's who of the recruitment companies, so managers and owners, uh, Sydney Opera House presentation, all that sort of stuff. We were the only one from Western Australia and to have won, you know, an award Australia-wide. And then I think the next couple of years we came runner-up in a couple of other categories as well. We started to get a bit of recognition. And then I started to realise, okay, you know, look, we're probably doing all right here. And that was probably the impetus then to say, I know the company's got a value and, um, yeah, see how we go. And so then, you know, you, you met advisors, um, you, you met HHMC, and then, and obviously we met at that t- time, which was fabulous. <laughs> we, we did it. We did it well. I don't know if it's appropriate at this point to give uh, Rod Hoare and Richard uh, a, um, a big plug here, go but those it. guys are um, absolutely um, fantastic. They, 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 were, they were wonderful. They were wonderful. HHMC, they're, they're fantastic guys. And also, and also yourself, Joanna. Let <laughs> oh, me give thank you, you a Sam. For anyone who's listening out there, <laughs> if, if you want a real, real down to earth, uh, I'll summarise you like this, Joanna. <laughs> and I know you're probably embarrassed in me saying this, but um, <laughs> I think if you want someone who I think is um, down to earth, genuine in in representing and going in to bat for you in negotiations, I could not think of a better partner. And I. 
remember a couple of occasions there, Joanna, where I, I really knew you were on my team and I was really impressed that you reminded me probably a bit of my feistiness and some <laughs> issues. And I really, really like that about you. And I think your practical approach and your dedication, really, really impressive. Uh, I would always, always recommend you. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. Okay, now I'm blushing on the other end. <laughs> yes, good. Serves you right. Serves, you deserve to. You deserve to. You deserve to. Um, and so were there any parts of the process that you found, were, were there any parts of the sale process as a whole that you found surprising that, you, you know, you think it's useful for people to understand before going into the process? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, Rod Hall was able to set up some uh, meetings with me with guys over east when I came over east and uh, speak to CEOs of, of these uh, large recruitment companies. I think what's important is make sure you know your facts and figures when, you, when you're sitting in front of someone yeah. and you don't want to go there half-baked. You need to know your stuff. And so if you're looking at balance sheets and stuff like that, you really need to know your business because they will ask you questions. And also, I think what I the conclusion I came to was that um, having spoken to a few of these guys before we selected the one that we thought was the right horse to go with was um, just, I I realized how well we were doing in the numbers that we were producing relevant to my, to the number of staff that I had relevant Mm -hmm. to the numbers these guys were producing and the number of staff they had. So I realized that we had an extremely efficient business and uh, that was something that sort of surprised me. But then later on I'm thinking, well, no wonder, you know, we're doing, so well because these guys just seem to have much higher overheads and just different ratios of how many people they have working to achieve the same results we were. So that that was a bit of a feel-good moment from that point of view. And I think it just comes back to the same story as I said before. If you work real hard, if the only thing you've got to do is, is work hard and put in long hours, it, it's a bit more than that. You need to have some smarts, but you should be able, to pick, be able to beat most people most of the time. And I think if you focus on something, you can. So that, that was a surprise. I think one of the issues with many businesses that go to market at the moment is the owner's belief that their business is worth a lot more than the market will meet them at, you, you know, effectively. And and there's a lot of talk at the moment about us being on the cusp of a massive uh, number of business sales uh, about to hit, you know, at some stage in the next decade because of the ageing baby boomer owner demographic of small businesses in Australia. But I think it's fascinating that you you almost came in the reverse way. You know, you you didn't come in initially expecting far more than the market. You came in and then suddenly realised what the market would value your business at. So I think that's you know, I mean, wow, that that's just amazing. It just seems completely contrary to a lot of what we're seeing. Yeah, well, because because a lot of people that's the difference. I think a lot of people come in, they start and they start the business purely for the sole purpose of making it a fat asset to sell so that they can, you know, sell and then, you know, buy an island in the Bahamas or something. <laughs> I never had that ambition. And and so they value it quite differently because they're deliberately trying to get some results. So they're deliberately trying to squeeze everything and trying to make it, uh, you know, probably in some aspect, and I don't know because I haven't approached it that way, but in some aspects, probably the tart the business up to look probably a lot better than it does. Mm. And we were never in that because we were never chasing that end. I never had, I never built my business to have this end. And in fact, I, I always figured that one day when I'd had enough, 
uh, I equate to driving a taxi. While I'm driving the taxi and I have passengers hop in and I'm driving, I'll make money. When I park the taxi, I'm not going to make money. So uh, I, that's probably the way I, I felt it then to know that I actually had something that had real value that people were wanting to pay for it. But on, on the same token, uh, not silly enough to think, hey, I'm going to give my business away either because I, I didn't have a great perception of value. I, I understood the value very real and, and, as you know, made sure that I got the value that I thought it was. But I didn't have an overinflated, you know, of what the business should be worth. Uh, the guys at HHMC let me understand what the sort of figures were, roughly what was going on at the time. No different than when you buy or sell a house. There's a median price going around. You've got some things and you look at things that are exceptional in your circumstances or gives you a better positioning um, or whatever. But, you know, I just from that point of view, I think it's just typical to anything else. It is what the market's willing to pay. If you don't like what the market's willing to pay, don't sell. This is clearly your very analytical side, though, Sam. Let's take a short break. When we get back, Sam talks about the important concept of really putting yourself in the shoes of the buyer and ensuring real opportunities for them to make the most out of the business they are purchasing. And finally, we'll close out this episode with some insights from Sam's experience in transitioning the business over. His valuable tips on making sure sellers keep control of this phase in the process. And that's next. I'm Joanna Oki, and you are listening to The Deal Room Podcast, brought to you by Aspect Legal. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Welcome back. Earlier, Sam talked to us about his strategy of increasing the business's profile by applying for awards. He also talked to us about how that fed into his work with his exit advisors, HHMC, in creating a situation where he was able to build a pool of potential buyers, creating that all-important competitive tension and putting him in the driver's seat of being able to choose from a pool of buyers. We also talked about the importance of really understanding your business inside out and knowing your facts and figures before coming to the negotiating table. And just before the break, we talked about Sam's level-headed approach to the sale. He was realistic about the sale price. He wasn't emotional. So let's keep the conversation going and talk about this important concept of providing ongoing value to acquirers. (music) 
many business owners get very emotional about value of their business. Whereas I can, you know, it's clear I can hear that you kept that analytical side alive. Well, I think. Well, I think you have to. And and I think that made you know the difference. We talked a little bit about you know there were times when you know we needed some hard negotiations. I think what really helped was you weren't emotional. Uh, you know, at those times you were very analytical, and I think that 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 in itself makes the process a lot easier, particularly from the advisors sitting, you know, here in the perspective of um, advisors working with businesses. I think it makes a big difference. Yeah. Well, look, I, I agree. I mean, some people, I mean, it all, it just depends how and why you're selling. I mean, in my case, as I said, I had a strong position. If the negotiations didn't go my way, I was quite happy to work another part 10 years. So I didn't care. Yeah. But, but I think you've always got to have a fallback position. What you've got to understand is when you're selling something, you've got to put yourself in the buyer's shoe as well. Is he getting a good deal? Now, one of the things that I did and made sure that we probably could have sold a year before, but but it wasn't the right time to sell. And the reason why I say it wasn't the right time, it wasn't the right time because there was nothing to give the buyer. What I did, I deliberately waited until this panel that I spoke about that we did very well on. The first five years were up and then went out again for uh, another five-year period. And it was pointless selling a year before this panel was going to expire and then leaving the vulnerability for a new buyer to perhaps only have a year before it expired and had to get back on the panel. So I, I, I ensured that, make sure that we got back on the panel and then we had a complete new five years to go. So that the, the buyer knew that he had another five years worth of, you know, very strong growth here. So, so people get emotional about their business. My business is worth so much. But you've got to look at it. This guy is paying a lot of money for your business. He needs some guarantee that there's some growth forward. That's so true. The story there is that you say, well, Sam, if there was such strong growth forward, why didn't you stay and pick up that growth? And I could have done. And that's why I was happy to go for another five or 10 years. But mm-hmm. I made a decision for, for the reasons of the things that I wanted to do that, no, I don't want to be part of that. And, and you know, I know the money I'm missing out, but on the other hand, you know, a bird in the hands worth two in a bush. I'm going to get something up front here. And, and I, want, I want the buyer to have growth and I want him to have the success and hopefully they can carry it forward as I have done. I think a lot of people, when they decide to sell, just say, I just want my money. I don't give a damn what happens to you and what you do with it. Or, you know, is the outlook going forward as bright as I've had? And I think you need to be mindful of the buyer and your negotiation sort of point is going to be weak or strong depending on and in some cases I'm sure deals will fall over because the buyer just says well there's nothing in it for me yeah I think people can have inflated self-worth and inflated business worth I think reflecting back on it then is there anything that you think I mean look at perhaps and it's hard to perhaps even remember it's a few years ago now but is there anything that you'd do differently or prepare differently leading up to the sale if you had the chance that Again, no. The only thing I would highlight, and in our particular case, and I'm not sure if you recall, but I, I was very strong in wanting to make sure that the transition process, when it came to that final crunch, we had a, a couple of week transition process where we had to get number of contractors over. I remember that well. <laughs> I yeah, remember that, that well. That was a bone of contention. Yes, uh, yes. That was that was the real crux of the whole story. And I insisted that I, you know, try to take as much control of that process as possible to ensure that happening. Now, in this particular case, the the client buying the business 
decided that they wanted to get involved in actually doing the the new contracts because it was an asset sale, not a not a uh, not a share sale. Uh, that thing almost had the potential to to come unstuck because they insisted on those new contracts, and we only had a ten you know a two week period, so ten working day period. Three or four days had gone by in the first week, and they'd only got literally about half a dozen people across on contracts, and there was another you know two hundred ninety five to go. And they physically wasn't going to damn well happen in that time frame. And I had to, had to step in a bit and put some pressure on make it happen. So I would say to anybody selling, make sure that you're in control of that transition. You can become unstuck and probably even the client come unstuck. And also just in general terms, I think clients are very good at agreeing on something and then and, and probably having, you know, trying to call back a little bit where they can throughout the processes. Those are probably the two things that I learned, but, but definitely make sure you have control of that transition process. If, if it's part of the, over, the final price, right, make sure because things can go dramatically wrong and that was a very, very stressful two-week period. Yes. In fact, I would say anything less than my probably 40 years experience in, in, in not in business, but in IT and certainly by that point about 25 years in business, 24 years in business, anything less than that. And I think uh, we would have been in serious trouble. I had to call upon every ounce of everything I knew and loyalty from my people. I was going to say that. I, I, I recall at the time, because I do, I recall every day, you know, we were counting down. <laughs> every yes, day I get yes. a report where, because I think we had a, you know, we had to get to, to 75% or something. I can't remember. It was. And, and, and this is where, I, again, uh, Joanna, I say just how strongly, strongly you supported me in that and how tenacious you were. And that was that made me feel very, very good. And I, you were 100% on side. And I, I love that about you. I was awake in the middle of the night thinking of it during that two-week period. You think it was stressful for you? You know, I was, I was obsessed with it as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and I know that. I could see that in you. But I, but I, I really, really... I appreciated that with you and without you, it couldn't have happened. Without you, without the guys from HHMC, it wouldn't have happened. It was fantastic. I, I feel that this is where the loyalty that you had, you know, that relationship that you had with your staff and the contractors, that's that I, I felt, you know, that was what really kicked into gear at that point, you know, because I recall it did, it you did. had a barbecue and you had everyone together and then that's it, you were pushing them one by one. So, you know. Yes, yes. I, I I think it, it, it's sort of interesting. It's like everything all came together at that final moment to combine. <laughs> it, did. it did, it did, it did. But it was it was a very very stressful two weeks. And as I said, any anything less than the total amount of sort of experience that I had in business and and the loyalty, the loyalty from my contractors, the loyalty from my staff. I mean, there was there was an opportunity there in one case for thirty or forty people to just disappear. Wow. Um, and not and not not transition across because of what they were what they were trying to do with the new contracts and I right. told them not to make any changes yes. you know like people yes. need to go across on the same conditions so you know people uh, you know buyers obviously also try to do things in their best interest but they can jeopardize the whole process so it comes back to my two things in any negotiation and any deal there's always two stages one is to get on board and then the second lead to make it work and you know, one thing is to get someone to agree to a price, but then to get across to to the final conclusion um, is, is is another very very serious step to make it happen. So, uh, without the loyalty of all those guys, and without 
you know, yeah, you just got to be careful. Well, that's it for part two of our three-part series with Sam DeLongis. Please subscribe to The Deal Room podcast on iTunes or Stitcher to get notified when we release the last episode for this series next Tuesday. In part three, we will be closing out our series with Sam with a discussion on what life is like after the sale and what business owners can look forward to out of retirement. Until then, please see our show notes if you want to download a copy of the full transcript to this episode if you'd like to read it in more detail. Just head over to our website at www.thedealroompodcast.com and look for this episode, episode 34, where you'll find a download link. And if you're interested in learning more about Sam's story, you might want to tune in to our earlier episode, episode 33, and also our episode 49 in Talking Law. Sam there discusses how he started his business and weathered a few storms during two particular downturns in his business. Now, to find this episode, head to Talking Law at www.talkinglaw.com.au and look for episode 49. Thanks for listening in. This has been Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. Thank you.